Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. It's your girl, Dali Jasmine, and welcome to Hello Latino. I am so excited to introduce mi amiga, hermana, inspiración, Fernanda Kelly. Fernanda has had an amazing 20-year career as an actress, television presenter, specifically in the U.S. Hispanic market, and it earned her two Emmy Awards and three Telly Awards for her work as the host of Lanzate on Univision. In 2018, Fernanda expanded her career as an entrepreneur in the fashion industry, and this is where Nitak was born. We'll talk a little bit more about Nitak in this episode, but for those who don't know, it's a clothing brand that honors love for individuality, the arts, and connecting female artists who are making one-of-a-kind pieces that are all about empowerment, strength, and uniqueness. The most beautiful part about this episode, in my opinion, was... Fernanda talks about growing up as a border girl, being raised across Tijuana and San Diego, and her relentless pursuit of her passion and purpose, and I think that's a really inspiring story for all of us. Hope y'all enjoy. Get a sweetened. talking to somebody famous <laughs> starstruck y todo eso. <laughs> no nada que ver girl just two girls talking dos latinas platicando hermosa latinas okay gotta hype ourselves up <laughs> but no so excited to have you here and there's so many questions that i have but also just want to hear your story i remember when i first read the email from your team i was like Oh my gosh, she wants to be on Hella Latino? Like, what? Estaba así como sorprendida, but also really excited to hear your story. And there's, again, so many questions that I have, but I want to start with the first question that I start with every episode, every guest, and that's how do you identify and why? How do I identify? I identify as a woman. I don't want to identify myself like as a Latina woman or as a Mexican American woman, as an individual human being woman. Like, that's my life force. My life force is being a woman. And then being a Latina makes me like a little cuckoo. <laughs> it, adds, it adds a little sazon in there, you know? Exactly. Like, if I am a Latina woman, I'm already like scaring people. Yeah. <laughs> You're like on the basis of it, I'm a woman. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I love that. And I love that because we're going to be talking about your brand. And I know that you do a lot of work in terms of that, right? Like what it means to be a woman, con ovarios, me vale madre, self-made mujer, like all of those things. I'm like, snaps, snaps. We'll talk about it in a bit, but I want to jump into your story. There's so many things that I just want to know. Um, but I want to start with, I want to trace back, you know, before the, the Telly Awards and the Emmy Awards, before Univision, I want to talk about little Fernanda, you know, roaming around and being raised as a quote unquote border girl. How was your, your journey in, in terms of growing up or your immigration story? What do you remember from that time in your life? Yes, I remember being a really happy child. You know, I was born in San Diego, raised in Tijuana. So I was definitely a border girl. My parents just decided for us to be born in the States. It wasn't like a thing. Like now you really want to be born in the States because of all the immigration situation. But back then it wasn't a thing. I mean, we would cross the border like it was nothing. So I grew up in Tijuana, you know, with the bolis and the raspados and the tacos and the carnitas asadas and the cousins and my, I had a really big family in, in Tijuana and 
being a border child was the best thing now that I can think of because it gave me a little bit of both worlds and it made everything normal. It made like the being from El Pueblo or from El Rancho or from, you know, a smaller city, you know, with pobreza, with um, not everything available, okay. And then going to the other side and just getting what you need and working really hard to get it. So it, to me, it's really normal to see both sides, like the richness and the poor and, 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 and learning how to work to, so you can get to the other side. So it gave me a lot of training, a lot of training. And how was that hard or difficult for you to navigate these two culturas? Or like you were saying, it was just completely normal because that was your upbringing. You were like used to it. Well, at the beginning, it was just the Mexican culture, right? Like the Tijuana culture. Because I, I lived in Tijuana till I was eight. And then when my parents decided to move to the States, you know, we ended up buying a house in San Diego and Chula Vista. But like, I didn't know I was of two cultures until I started going to elementary school and I didn't know English and I was bullied and I didn't know how to communicate. I was put in ESL classes. And so my dad was like, okay, we're gonna, you're gonna have to learn English really quick or else you're gonna go through all this shit all the time. And so we learned really quickly, like we would study so much to become, you know, Americanized or to become English speakers. So that's where I, that's when I realized that, ah, I have two cultures. At the beginning, as a child, you just are, and you just go back and forth and you don't really listen to English, you just go about life. It's como normal, right? Yeah, it was. It became not normal when I realized what 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 I was, which is a bicultural, bilingual person. Yeah, and were there other students in the class that were like you as well, or did you feel like you were kind of like solita, or like, oh, does anyone else understand this, or did you have people that you can lean on at your age that were also going through the same thing? Not many. No, it was my sister and I. It was my sister and I, and I had one friend, her name was Gabby, and she was also Latina, but she was raised in the States. And so she barely spoke Spanish. But like full Mexican coming from Mexico, at that age, no. So my sister and I really lived on each other, and we remember being bullied until we learned the language. Wow. And when was the moment that you were like, you know, navigating it where you were like, okay, I got this. I got this. I got a handle on it. I'm bicultural. Start to owning, start owning, you know, both of those identities. When was that moment for you? It was around sixth grade. So it took me two years. Took me two years to really feel comfortable in my skin, to not feel like I'm thinking, just be, you know, at the beginning you think, is it because, 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 like, because, like, you know, (laughs) It's like, what? Because English is so freaking mm. weird. It's not like in Spanish. It is. The way it's written, you say it. In English, it's like, did, didn't, didn't, like, didn't, didn't, you know, don't, apostrophe, no apostrophe. <laughs> so until I was able to just, it was around sixth grade and I was 12 years old around. And I remember just being like, ah, I mean, I'm, I'm now like the kids, you know, it's like, I don't have to have ESL. I don't have to have any kind of like um, tutoring. Mm, that brings me back to my ESL days too. I used to, girl, I used to dread it when they would go into the class and just like call your name out. And then you just have to like, you know, everyone stares at you. They're like, <laughs> I used to hate, it. I used to be so like ashamed of it. Like, oh, I hate being pulled out of class for this. And then I remember becoming a tutor myself because I'm like, I want to be on the other side. I want to help, you know, students like that remind me of myself. And I remember even feeling like, guilty myself I'm like oh I feel so bad I'm like doing the same thing you know (laughs) and they just stare at me like yes I'm coming we definitely grew up I mean you're way younger than me but we definitely grew up in times where now I feel like it's more it's no more normal but it's still you're still an outcast and it took you till sixth grade you said around yeah oh my gosh like I a lot of love in my house in my in my home and I had like really like Two really good friends that were my neighbors, and they all—they only spoke English, so I, I had to learn really quickly with them. I wanna—I wanna tell you this quick story. It's, it's so funny. It's about my mom. She told me when she first went to the United States, tenía como 30 años, like about, um, and she didn't know how to speak any English. To this day, she doesn't really know a lot of English, and she chose not to learn as much because she's like, 
me encanta el español. You know, we have a beautiful language, which is true. We have a very beautiful language. And like you said, English is really, really hard, especially for those that are not native and someone at 30 trying to learn it, right? Yeah. So she was working um, cleaning houses and her first job, she she goes, right? She doesn't have a car. She doesn't have a phone. She doesn't have any of those things. But la hermana de ella la dejó and she's like, okay, hey, go work. I'll pick you up. And so she goes, right? And she's she's going for my tía. So my tía is supposed to be there, but my tía was in the hospital. So my, my mom goes and this is her first job in the United States. Era una familia guarita. And they were like, oh, where is your sister? And my mom, you know, kind of understood what they were saying. And she's like, um, estomagation, the operation, oh. hospitalation. <laughs> she said those were the first English words that she's ever spoken. I was like, ma, that's not English, but I love it. <laughs> oh, my God. Estomagation, hospitalation. Hey, that's yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I was like, hey, what a, what a way to be creative, though. She's like, I don't know how to say this, but I'm going to try. <laughs> But you know what? That's the way we speak English in Mexico. You just add an Asian to the end, you're good. And you're good. La sopation. Yeah. Yeah. Sopa, everything <laughs> just add an Asian and you're good. You're speaking English. And you're good. It's English. It's English. But my mom always tells me that story and I just laugh because I'm like, you know, it's it's really crazy that a lot of our, our familias or comunidad like have to just adapt, right? And I'm like, I always think about how crazy it is, such a concept for me to to grasp of like moving to another country, not knowing the language, maybe I'm 30, right? Like my mom, how, like, how did you navigate this system? So, you know, like, I wouldn't say flawlessly, but I, how did you navigate it when it wasn't even created for you? You know, and all the odds are really stacked against you. And I'm just like, our comunidad is so resilient, so fuertes. Like, I just, I just can't get enough of it. I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> yes, you said it. You know, resilience is, is the word that I think when I think of my parents. Like, they did this for us. You know, like, when they made the, the choice to move to the States. You know, and even though they saw us suffering because it wasn't easy, um, they, they had the vision, which is also something that I think as a, when you become a parent, you have like the sixth sense. Because again, nobody would know back then when I was growing up that the immigration situation was going to be so hard on people. But I think as a parent, you, you have the sixth sense and you see the future and you know that that's what's best for your kids. So you're going to just ride the wave. And I feel like your mom, imagínate los 30 años llegar aquí and it's just because she knew better. You know better than to stay. I mean, we love our places of like our origins. Yo amo Mexico como si hubiera nacido ahí. But it's very, it's a very hard place to be at. Mm, so many stories there, but I think it's channeling that resilience and it's passed down. You know, I always say like, there's a lot of talk about generational trauma y todo eso, which is true. You know, like it is, it is accurate, but there's also a lot of generational power and resilience and things that we can gain and that we naturally have because of our our mothers, our fathers, our familias, like the people who brought us here and brought our generations here. I'm like, there's some power there. there there's so much power. Yes. <laughs> there's creativity. There's resourcefulness. The todo eso. But going back to your story, I want to talk about now we're at sixth grade, Fernanda. <laughs> and when did you realize, when was the moment you were like, this is what I want for my career. I want to be on TV. I want to be a host. I want to have, you know, these conversations with people. Quiero ser, you know, quiero ser parte de Univision. Like, when was that moment for you where you're like, this is what I want to do? Yeah, so I was actually eight years old when I was, when I realized that I wanted to be a performer. I was, um, I would do my homework in, in our house and I would play my parents' record player, like, Rocio Durcal y, y Juan Gabriel, José Jose. Oh, well, those were my albums when I was growing up. And I would put Rocio Durcal and, I, and then I would see her in Siempre en Domingo, which was from Televisa, you know, like the shows. Because that's what I would watch. I didn't watch Univision. I, I watched Mexican television, like Siempre en Domingo or Don Francisco, but it was through Televisa. Oh my God, Don Francisco. <laughs> you know, like that Primer Impacto con el Walter Mercado, all that. So... Um, I would see Rocio Durcal dancing on stage, you know, and, and then I would listen to the record players and I would imagine myself being a singer, like just dancing with all her dresses and, you know, when she would go like that and pues, mira, mm. like, you know, just, 
I love the drama. Like she was such a performer. She wasn't just a singer. She was a performer. Like she gave you a role on stage. And I was like, that's what I want. Like, I want to do that. And then my dad was, I told my dad and my dad was like, well, you need to learn how to sing and you need to do this and you need to. And so he's like, just focus on school now. And then when you're older, you can decide. But I knew when I was eight that I wanted to be a performer. And when was the moment you were like, I'm going to follow this. And when was kind of that turning point in your life where you're like, okay, now I have an opportunity to make my eight-year-old dreams come true. Yeah. So when I was around, I'm not sure if it was like 13, I always did plays in school. So I was always in plays um, in elementary. Yeah. So in elementary, I did plays. And then in middle school, I, that's where I really started modeling because I didn't know how to do what. So I just like, okay, I want, I want to be a performer. Let's, shoot some pictures and and so I began modeling and then I started doing a lot of fashion shows in Tijuana uh and that was like around yeah like from when I was 13 to probably like when I was 18 or so like I had had a lot of experience in between that but then in between that time I also met a, a television producer from from Tijuana from Televisa and we did our side show we did a it was my first hosting show so I was, I was really quickly in, in that world. It was like my side world. So I would go to school, be Fernanda. I was a swimmer. And then I would do my, my, my acting or my hosting or my modeling. And you were how old, you said? It was between 13 and 18 in San Diego, like in Tijuana. But I started like, oh, wow. like 13. Wow. And you were just doing all these side gigs already. Yeah. I've always been a hustler. Like even when I was in, in middle school, I would sell Mexican candy to the güeritos, mm. like chaca chaca. To the güeritos. Yeah, they love it. Chaca chaca, oh my God, so good. I need to tell you a story about chaca chaca. Los hondureños, some hondureños, right? For, for us, chaca chaca means like en la cama, chaca chaca, which I'm sure it means that for a lot of people, but not for, you know, the candies. So I remember we went to this um, fruteria that we have right here in San Diego. We have tons, but there's one that is our favorite and we go and pregunto por tostilocos, of course. And I was like, ¿Le puedes poner chaca chaca? ¿O me das chaca chaca? I said something like that. And my dad was like, ah. ¿Qué? <laughs> he was so mad at me. And I was like, ¿Qué? ¿Qué hice? And he's like, don't ask for chaca chaca. And I was like, why? That's the candy. And he was like, oh. <laughs> There you go. You know, even even the blend, even the blend of like Latino culturas is just like it's so funny to me. It's like so beautiful and crazy and just hilarious because I'm like some words for us is just not the same for everyone oh, yes. else. <laughs> I learned that when I moved to LA because in San Diego, at least in my world, there wasn't many people Latinos from another culture other than Mexican. Right? It would I just didn't cross paths much. Pero cuando me vine a Los Angeles, girl, that's where I met Peruvians, Venezuelans, Cubans. Dominicans, is the Salvadoreños, Salvadoreños. Like I met the whole Latin America world. <laughs> I would hear people say really bad words that for me, you know, and I was like, what? And, then, and for them, it wasn't. It was like, like, verga. Like from Venezuelans, verga is pasame la cosa esa. You know, like that thing. And yeah. I, in Mexico, we don't say that word. So funny. It's so funny. And, you know, to that point, too, I grew up in San Diego. And for me, it was a whole different story because I'm like, but I mean, like I loved Mexican culture, but no one knew about Honduran culture. So I was constantly educating my Mexican friends like, oh, we say was instead of tu or we say both, you know, like, you know, kind of talking about these little nuances and differences. And it's always so funny. Like my friend still tells me to this day she's Mexican-American. And every time I speak Spanish, she's like, you sound like your mom. Because she would remember coming over to the house and being like, your mom has such a cool accent. <laughs> Yes, yes. Like, I remember I was hanging out with one of my Dominican friends, and when he started speaking Spanish, era como otro lenguaje. I was like, ¿Qué dices? <laughs> I had a Dominican boss, and he would talk to me in my ear when I was on TV, and, and it was live. Like, I was hosting, and he was like, and I was like, I have no idea what the fuck he just said. No lo entiendo. <laughs> like, I'm just going to ignore him. And he's like, Fernanda, dime que estás. Like, I was like, now you're talking. <laughs> Now you're talking Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, like, it's just crazy. It's so funny to me. I'm like, there's so many beautiful differences in Latinidad. And it's just funny. I crack up because I'm like, we don't think about it. You know, we do live in our little bubble sometimes and we step out of it. And it's like, I love it. I love Latinidad. Like, Latinos are just so funny. 
de todas partes. And that's why I really love LA. Like that's where my world expanded. I felt like I was really San Diego. I, I, that was my world. It was a tiny little world. But when I moved to LA, girl, like my, I love LA. It's such a blend. Of really? Awesome. There's no way you can stay ignorant in LA. It won't let you. Wow. I need to, I need to experience LA because I feel like I haven't. <laughs> oh, you have to. The day you're ready to move to LA, ahí vas a ver que. I feel LA is just, uh, it really is the, the home of everyone. Mm, mm, I love that. And speaking of LA, when did you move? When was that moment you're like, all right, I'm going to travel the world. I'm doing my little thing. Tenías como que 13 a 18 años, right? Doing your your side gig in Tijuana and doing hosting and your first time doing it. When was the moment you were like, I can, I can do this on a bigger platform, whether it's in LA or wherever it is that you were. When was the moment you were like, okay, I could do this on a bigger scale and this is my career. So yeah, um, I was 18 and I was studying at San Diego State University. I had a scholarship and I was, I went in there studying journalism because my dad was like, please study something. Don't study acting. Acting is not a career. And I was like, well, what's similar to acting? I guess being on TV, uh, journalism. Okay, let's do journalism, broadcasting. No, it's not the same at all. So I went in there <laughs> studying journalism, uh, broadcasting, and then I did theater as a minor. Excuse me. And so around two years in, I was like, I can't do this. This is not acting. This is not acting at all. And what I want is to act. Like I love the creating, like creating characters and living through other people's lives. Because again, my world was so small. I, I knew there was something bigger than me. I just didn't know how. So to me, acting was, that's the way I found it. And so I started looking to, I started submitting. Uh, to theater schools in all across the country. And, and one of my dreams was to go to NYU in New York. And I applied and I got accepted. And when I, tell my, when I told my dad, my dad was like, please don't go to New York. You're too far. Like, we're not going to see you. So I was like, damn it. Our families hate that. <laughs> they do. And I was the first one to leave the house. Like my sister was, is older than me and she was in the house. My brother is younger. They were, everybody was in the house. And then I want to leave the house to pursue my career. It's like, what? Who is this girl? Uh-huh. ¿Qué te pasa? <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with your home? You don't like our food. O sea, sabes, it's like, I feel like it's natural. Parents don't want to lose you. But my career wasn't there. I knew it. I had tried already. Yo ya había hecho todo en Tijuana, todo en San Diego. Like, I knew I, I needed something bigger. So, so anyway, so NY, I had to say no to NYU. And I was like, okay, what's the best school? Fuck it. The best school of acting in L.A just go there. I don't care how much it is. I had no money, girl. I was working at the bank. My parents were broke. We had lost our house. Like we were broke, but I was like, I don't care. I'm going to me voy in deuda. So I applied to Stella Adler Academy of Acting, which is where Salma Hayek went, Marlon Brando, but Benicio del Toro, Antonio Banderas, Marilyn, Meryl, uh, not Meryl Streep, uh, Melanie Griffith, like just so many celebrities, artists, great actors went there and then and you know Stella Adler was an amazing maestra she's like a master of theater you know and so I applied and I was like I have no money but I can work so if you let me go to school there I'll work instead of paying you and they're like okay so you can work here and you can pay us half and then so what I did was I I told my parents I'm not gonna move to LA because I don't have money so I'm gonna drive Monday Wednesday Fridays to LA and then work and go to school here until I figure out what to do. And so that's what I would do. I would drive to LA Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, until I met a, one of my dear friends, Isabella. I met her three months in and she's like, you can start crashing my house. Like just stay in the sofa, move out here, you're done. And that's when I moved. So I was about 21 years old when I'm 20, ready to turn 21 when I moved to LA and I quit my job at the bank. I was working at Wells Fargo. I quit school and I told my parents, I don't need anything from you. I don't need money. I just let me go. Yeah. Let me hustle. Let me get my way through. And you never went back. And I never went back. Girl, girl. That was 20 years ago. Wow. But I, it has not been easy though. Yeah. Well, walk us through that journey. What, what are some of the the highs and lows of it that you would, that you can recall that could be good lessons for all of the, the folks listening? I think the, the overall lesson is if you think, or if you expect things to be easy, 
it, it's you're you're already started with the wrong foot. Like we have to understand that everything that is unknown to us is going to be hard. If it's not, then you're lucky. But then if it becomes hard after the first time being easier, so don't get discouraged because. It was very hard for me in every sense. I had no money. I would clean houses so that I could spend the night at people's homes. I, you know, cleaned bathrooms. I cooked for people. I sold soup on the street. I mean, I, I did car commercials, like anything I could do that was, you know, que no me perjudicara my soul, that I didn't feel like, you know, being sold like as a slave or something or like, you know. I would do for money in order to make things happen. But to me, it was like, it wasn't like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. I didn't care because I was acting. I was play, paying my school. I was doing what I loved. So for, you know, for me to be on stage and work with these amazing teachers and masters and put on plays was everything. I didn't care if I had to work nights as a waitress. But I went, I went through, through it all, like the having no money, that having to turn in your car, having to sleep in the car, having to sleep in friends' sofas, again, vender comida, uh, being a waitress, the Me Too movement. I mean, I have been, I've dealt with that my entire career, you know, with abusive men. And how, do you, how did you get through it? Did you just stay hyper-focused on this is the vision, this is why I'm doing it? Well, I remember having a conversation with my father when I chose to move out here. And he said, you know, you have chosen one of the most, it's a beautiful thing, art. It's a beautiful thing, but it's also a very um, dirty environment. Mm -hmm. So it's like, make sure that you know what you're getting into. And so I always knew that it was going to be hard and dirty. And, and, and part of the, I mean, we see it, the Harvey Weinstein's, the Me Too movement. It's there because it's real. It's not like we all made it up. So because I knew I was going to face that. And because I had so much love in my family, I grew up with so much love. Um, I was able to just really get by. And my love for the arts way more than any asshole can do or want to do to me. That's just who I am. You know, I love my craft. So you're not going to come in here and scare me away. Snaps to you, Amiga. Yes, snaps to you. And then it turned into a 20-year career in in TV. You know, you ended up doing it. And fun fact about you, I'm just going to gas you up a little bit. <laughs> you got two Emmys, okay? Yeah, you Tellies. I mean, okay. I think that's Almeida. The Tellies over there. In the, in, and her business is in the back, that, that logo. So those are the rest of the Emmys and Tellies. Ooh. Girl, <laughs> I stop. <laughs> oh my gosh. I want to talk about that moment though. After your 20 year career, when you got your first Emmy or your first deli, like what was that moment for you? Like, did you feel like, uh, okay, I can't, I can't stop now. I need to keep going. Or like, was it validation for you? Like you're in the right place, right time. Like what was that feeling for you when you got your first deli or Emmy, whichever one came first or maybe both? first <laughs> came first. Yeah, I remember I was at Univision um, walking in the hallway and I was all dressed up because I had just gone off my show um, and I received a call from my boss saying that we had won the Emmy and I remember calling my parents and just like pulling, you know, over to the side uh, to lean against the wall and just, we cried uh, mm -hmm. because it, for me, again, para mí, Odalis, nunca me importa, I don't care about rewards. I don't care about awards. I don't care about recognition. I care about being able to do my craft, making a living of it and really just thriving in my craft. Right. But for my parents, all this is validation of everything that they've seen me go through everything that I've gone through. So when I told them, it was like, this is for them. This is for you. Like I'm on the right track. Like this means I'm good. This means I have something. This means I'm doing something good. And so they were just so, so proud. I mean, yeah, more than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that happens though. I think like we go through todo este esfuerzo, you know, and then we like give them a diploma, an award. And it's like, esto pa vos, you know, esto pa ti, because you are the one that made this happen. Like without yeah. our parents, like we wouldn't even be in the, in the place to have that opportunity. Right. Yes. We'd be back in Honduras, back in Mexico 
and doing it a little differently. Like we, we get to give them a lot of things for that. And I, I love that you pointed that out. It's like for them. Yes, completely for them. I mean, again, as an artist or as a professional, who cares what you're doing? I don't think the rewards and the awards mean much because it, an Emmy makes no justice to everything that I've gone through, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's the thing for the ones that are looking at you going through the journey. It validates the journey on their minds and in their hearts. It makes it okay. And I love that you said that too, because I think I remember being a student, a college student, and I would see all these speakers come in professionals and they would share all the, the good things, right? All the good things, the good moments, the highlights, the accomplishments. And I remember thinking, I'm like, was it that easy for them? Like, did they not, they didn't have any struggle. You know, I would think that to myself all the time because at the moment I was struggling, right? Working all these jobs, trying to pay for school, trying to do it, you know, trying to do it all and not be a burden on my parents at all. I think that's one thing that we have <laughs> as first generation. We're like, we don't want to be a burden. Um, but I remember thinking in that moment, like, am I ever going to have that perfect story like them? And then I got older and I realized no one has a perfect story. Like nobody, everyone has struggle. Some people choose not to share it, but I really value the people who are open to sharing that struggle because it shows we're not alone. We don't, we, we're not going to have this perfect linear pathway into success. We're going to have, you know, the the ups and downs, the the this way, the that way, the rights and lefts, the wrong turns, the U-turns, like the todo eso, like we learn and we kind of create our own path to, towards success. And I think this is where I channel my parents. I'm like, they created their own version of success in this country, right? And like, wasn't easy for them and it still isn't. But I think for us, it's like channeling that power, that resilience, that hustle and that drive to like, I'm going to be successful because there's no way I'm going to fail because I love what I do or I love my craft or I want to master my craft, like all of those things. Yes. Yes. It's so, (laughs) it's so, I mean, everything. Mic drop. (laughs) Yeah. It's like mic drop. Where's my mic? I don't have a mic. I should have a mic. Um, But (laughs) Yeah, I feel it's so important to to shine light on the difficult part of the journey. Because the mm-hmm. easy part, you can imagine, everything you see on TV, social media, it's true. We get first class, you know, on planes. We got credit cards. We got cars. We got houses. We got heels. We got all that. The fake lashes. We got the hair. We got, you know, as a performer, you have all that. It's part of the show. But what you don't see, you don't see Rihanna sharing or you don't see, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know. I just said up Rihanna, but you don't see many celebrities, artists sharing their journey. And I think that's very encouraging when you do, because it makes it okay. It makes it okay that you're struggling. It's that. I think I want to highlight that part that you just said. It makes it okay. And I think, you know, being in my shoes, I think about, you know, that moment where I, I would listen to these speakers and I'd be like, oh my God, like, am I ever going to be this, um, like where I don't have struggle, where it's perfect, where everything seems linear and just like, yes, like I'm, I'm good. I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. And I have to embrace those moments. Right. And the more I started to talk to people and they started opening up about their story, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm gonna be okay. (laughs) Like it was that moment where I'm like, like you were just saying it's okay. And I think that's what we need is like that validation that it's not going to be perfect. Like you were just saying, like, it's going to be hard, you know? And if you think it's not, then you're already like kind of starting on the wrong foot. Like, I think that's just such a beautiful line. And I want to highlight it for everyone listening. Like we all struggle. We all go through it, especially as I think first generation, it's like the first that we're, we're experiencing. We can't lean on our families to like help us out. We can't lean on certain people, but we, we make our own way and we can listen to people like you and like be encouraged. So mujer on vibes. Okay. And, and you said something else. I know we want to get to the next thing, but it's just like sometimes our families, I mean, at least this is what happened to me. They, they know they want it for you, right? But they just don't even see it. They don't even know that world. They don't even see it happening. So they're scared for you that you're not going to do it. So it, that's what's hard, that your parents cannot see what you see or what you feel. I remember like the, the first time my parents saw me on stage, my dad was like, I can relax now. He says, I know you're good. So he was able to just sit there and know that I'm going to make it right as an actor or like we, the same with my business. Like my first, like what? Nobody's a business owner in my family. You know, my dad for a minute was with his, you know, he has his career, but he's not a business owner. 
And so when I started my business, like, that was just like, he thought it was kind of like a game or something like I was doing. And now they see like, man, this girl, she's for real. So it's, mm-hmm. it's something like if we expect another thing, if we expect people to understand our vision or to support us in our vision, it's going to stop us because no one will. It's very hard. You have to surround yourself with people that have already done it. And to get to those people is also another story. So you got to believe it. I always say you got to believe in yourself 10 times harder than anyone else does. Cause you know, like you were saying, my parents, they're, they're big supporters. They love, they love what I do. They, they're big supporters of it, but I know they don't understand. And I know sometimes they're like, ¿Qué, qué está haciendo? like ¿qué le pasa? <laughs> I know they question me all the time. And at some points they do voice it. And I'm just like, it's, it's me constantly having to remind myself and them like, I got this. I got this. I know you believe in me, but I believe in myself 10 times harder. I got this and I'm going to make you proud. Yeah. And it's, and it comes from love. Usually, you know, it, it's, mm-hmm. they, Oh yeah. I mean, it'll probably happen to us. We won't see what our kids see. I mean, I don't know how a kid in 20 years is going to be. He's probably going to be flying. Yeah. I'm like, you can't fly. Oh yes, you can. <laughs> you know, it's 2040. And then all of a sudden this fucking kid's flying. It's like, you don't know. <laughs> you really don't know. You don't know. And it all does come from a place of love. And I I realized that, you know, at one point I'm like, my parents just don't want me to struggle like they did. They just want to avoid any type, like all the experiences they went through. They don't want me to even like touch those experiences, right? They want me to have more of a a perfect lifestyle, right? Quote, unquote. But it it comes from a place of love. And I'm sure like it's going to be the same for me when I become a parent and be like, no, like I want to protect you forever. Don't leave the house. (laughs) The world's ugly out there. No, no salgas. The world's ugly. Don't go. <laughs> but I want to get, speaking of business and creating your own thing, I want to talk about your business. I want to talk about what you created. You have your shirt going. You have your mug. You have your logo in the back. All of these things that you're doing. And what I love most about your brand is that it's all about empowering women. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's the, I felt it with everything that, every product that you had, it's like, self-made mujer. I'm like, all of those things, I just like, yes, like it makes me proud to be a woman. And it goes back to your identity, right? Like you're like, I identify first as a woman. And Latina just makes me, you know, a little cray cray. But <laughs> but all of it is is who I am. So I want to talk about the inception of your business. How did it start and why did it start? Wow. Like you just gave me the best compliment because again, talking about doubt and fear, you know, sometimes the, the, the industry or whoever you see in your immediate environment wants to make you a Latina brand. And it was never my intention to become a Latina brand because I genuinely believe all women, embracing all women, no matter where you come from. I don't want to exclude anyone. But anyway, that's a different story. So how, how was it born? Well, um, I was laid off uh, at Univision after hosting seven years. My bosses got you know fired, so we all got laid off anyway. I did have the opportunity to stay, but decided not to because I was ready to move on as an actor. And so, you know, contemplating what am I going to do with all my clothes, like the, the red carpet, the, the shoes, the purses, all these things that are not Fernanda. Because, girl, this is as much as I get made up. Like, yo soy bien cuachala, maquillaje. You know, I don't, I don't do my hair. Like, this is what you get. And so, I, but I had all these things in my closet and I was like, I need to get rid of this. So let me just sell them. I'm sure like someone's going to want the dress I wore with Luis Miguel or with having a talk with Ricky Martin or Shakira or whatever celebrity I interviewed, right? And so I started like making uh, a website. I talked to my friend and, and we named it Shop Her Closet KM. KM for Kelly Monster. That's my nickname for my fans. Kelly Monster. So Shop Her Closet. Shop My Closet. And, and, and that's how it started as something fun and whatever. And then about less than a year in, I was like, I think I really like this idea of having my own brand with my own, because I had so much to say. Again, I'm used to being on TV and I say everything out loud, right? So I can communicate. I have a following. I, I communicate with my fans. But now all of a sudden I don't have that. And I didn't want to have... I didn't want to work anymore. So I was like, I still need to be able to say what I think and what I want. So let me just restructure this. Let me change the store and really rebrand to a brand that's going to say what Fernanda wants. And that's what I created that, not your typical average queen. Because 
we're not typical. As women, as Fernanda, I'm not a normal person. I'm not a normal woman. I don't fit the box and I don't want to, but I am a queen. I am a woman. I am a girl. It's like, so, and I have that power. And so I was like, I want to create a brand that makes every woman feel comfortable in their own skin with everything that I design and create. And so Nitak was born. And then the t-shirt Cuando Varios was the first t-shirt that I created. And it was sitting here in my home thinking, what, what defines me? What makes me Fernanda? Like, what do I want to put on a shirt? And I was like, I, I know the struggle, girl. I mean, I have gone through shit, hell and back beautiful experiences. I love my life. I would never change anything, but I've, I've done, I'll, it's, you know, it's been hard. And so I was like, how, how come I didn't give up? And I would say, pues porque tengo huevos, you know, I have balls. And I was like, that's it. I was like, I don't have balls. I have ovarios. And as a woman, I do everything for ovarios with that life force, with that strength. Cause girl, no man, no man is going to be able to survive what we as women survive. They're fucking chickens mm. compared to us. Preach. That's my power, the, the, being a woman. And I was like, I'm going to put on a t-shirt. Mm. And con ovarios. It has a period for a reason. It's con ovarios, period. I'm a woman. That's why. When people ask you, ¿cómo puedes? Porque soy mujer. Porque soy mujerón. Mujerón. <laughs> That's why. Everything else is secondary. Yeah. Oh, my. I love that. And that's how I felt looking at your website. It's like you can feel the empowerment with every woman that was on the website. And it's you pronounce it Nitak. Nitak. You said it? Not your typical Nitak. average. Okay. Not your typical average queen. I love it. <laughs> in the crown because we're all queens. I feel like I'm in class. I feel like I'm in class. <laughs> I'm on point number one. Like, mira, mira, mira. mira. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's hilarious! I love it. I love it. <laughs> I was not paying attention. I'm like, yes, okay, okay. <laughs> we had a moment. We had a moment. We had a whole too. moment. We had a whole moment. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Oh my god. Oh my god. And I want to point out one thing because I remember when um, your team reached out, they said, "This is what we stand for at our at our company, Anitak." And I want to I want to read it to you, and I want to read it to everyone listening because I literally reading it, I was like, our community needs this. Women need this, right? Like we as as just human beings need this. But this is a list. It's chasing your passions, shifting careers successfully, achieving your goals regardless of financial stress. Felt that one. Never settle for less. Celebrating originality and empowering individuals. And I was just like, girl, when I read this list, I was like, I, I literally can feel every single thing on that list for myself. I can feel it for the people I've talked to, my friends, their friends, my family. Like I felt it for the world that I live in. Right. And I'm like, we need this. We need companies like this that are focused on those things because I can't begin to tell you how many people I know in my life and including my own experiences and journey of all of this. How do you chase your passions knowing that there is this financial component, right? But how do you not settle and keep that passion alive and that fire alive? And how do you not give up? How do you shift careers when, you know, what if you don't have experience and you need that money? There's so many things where I was like, oh, Fernanda just like hit the nail on the head. I see these, right? That's how the saying goes. <laughs> I'm so bad at these things, but I'm like, that's, I think that's what it is. But I, you really did. I'm like, we need this. And did this start, this, this this list, did it come from your own experiences? Did it come from like, I know what it's like to experience all of these things. That's why I'm doing it. Or like, where did that list for you kind of come from? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's important for the people that I work with or that work with me and the brand. We understand what, you know, we really talk about our what we stand for. It's important for me, for the people that work with me, that they understand what we represent. Because we represent mm. our life. The Nitak is me, is my voice. It's my journey, right? And so, mm -hmm. yes, I don't want to be anything that I'm not. I don't want to show a side that's not genuine. I, I can't. I don't even know how. So, yes, everything that you mentioned is, is a team effort, is, a, is an effort of, of, of women coming together and, and thinking, what do we want to say? And it's all true. 
it's all true. It's based on us, on our struggles, our, our journey, our life, our resilience. So it's real. And we know one thing I really love about you and admire about you is that you're you're so authentic. And I can tell from the first conversation we've had to this one, to just seeing some of your interviews on Lansate, that's what it was called, right? So many of your interviews, you were just being yourself, like super authentic. And, you know, I barely met you, but I can feel just how genuine you are. And that to me is rare, right? When someone can really like live, embody and embrace authenticity. But did that always come naturally to you? Was there ever a moment in your career where you were interviewing, you know, Luis Miguel or, you know, who, you know, these big name people in, in Latin America or even the world? Was there ever a moment for you where you like, I, I don't know if I can be authentic or how did you channel that authenticity? How'd you tap into it whenever it got like crazy? I think my, um, my problem has been not being able to be, not be myself. That, that has gotten me into a lot of trouble. So my challenge has not been myself. My challenge has been, don't be Fernanda. Don't be that ghetto ass border girl, Sinaloense, Tijuana, you know, girl from the block. That's because you, you do have to learn how to filter or else you're going to be this savage. I'm more of a savage. And so <laughs> I've learned to filter myself and to become, you know, a little more composed and so forth. But at the end of the day, it's like, you just can't, it's like, you're still Jenny from the block. Yes, that's it. You're still that girl from the block. So yes. I mean, I, I remember the one time when I was, my concern was not knowing when you're, when you're interviewing someone and you don't know subject it, it could really at least for me it made me doubt oh my god am I stupid do I not know how to speak like them like if I was speaking to like politicians from Mexico like the perfect Spanish that I don't speak anymore or like you know celebrities talking about like for example somebody that's very deep is Miguel Bosé like just she goes deep in shins like oh my god I don't know what the fuck he's saying like am I gonna look stupid so I remember very early on in my career I remember listening to an interview that Simon Cowell said he says i am an expert at discovering talent everything else i have no idea and i'm learning so i was like ah i was like i am an expert at having a dialogue with people heart to heart like i love seeing you odalis yes all this is beautiful but I, I want to know Odali's heart. I want to know you, your journey. Like I make those kind of questions. That's my forte. I don't need to know about podcasts. I don't need to know about your culture. You're going to teach me. I'm here to have a dialogue. And so as soon as you embrace that you don't know it all and you don't have to pretend, then everything just, you know, the guards down because you're just going to have a, a dialogue. And the, the audience is going to learn with you. When we're trying to pretend, it's like we don't even get to the bottom of things. But when we're seeking ourselves as a host or as an interviewer, oh, my God, the audience is on a journey with you. And I feel that's why Lancet was so successful because I really, they, the audiences lived this, these journeys with me, these interviews and these moments in these cities and these countries. And, you know, I love that you said that because, you know, I feel the same with you. I'm like, I love connecting with people. It's all I know to be true in my life. I love connecting with people the same way you do. It's I want the heart to heart, not the surface of I'm like, people know me and they laugh at me. My friends are always like, you're always like, tell me about your traumas <laughs> because I love understanding people, right? I'm like, okay, let's skip the surface level. I know you're cool. Let's talk about like life and let's talk about the experiences that we go through. That's why, you know, as a student, when I was listening to these speakers, I was like, my God, like do they have just this perfect journey because I'm like, they're not sharing their story. Like they're really not, you know, they're sharing the highlight reels. And I'm like, I don't want to be that Instagram audience. I want to know, like, I want to know what is behind the surface. You know, what's, what's behind the curtain. What's the experiences that make up Fernanda or that make up this person or that person. I'm like, I want to know, I want to empathize. I want to understand. And I think more of the world needs people like that, right. That can understand other humans. And when, once we understand, it's like the empathy is there. Right. Because you're like, I appreciate you. I know where you came from. I know your story. Like you to me are super inspiring and I admire you. And I think that's what the world needs is that connection. So I'm like, I feel the whole vibe with you right now because we're both in that same like, I want to connect. Yes. I want to connect. <laughs> that's what I 
make you special. I mean, you already are special, but that's going to keep you uh, uh, separate from the rest. And mm -hmm. celebrities, whoever you, not celebrities, normal people, everybody, anybody that you cross paths with on your podcast, you know, you're special because mm -hmm. most people want to talk about the glory and this and that. And that's fine. It's so cool, but it feels good to be, to talk about the deep. Yeah. Let's get deep. Yeah. yeah. I love it. We kind of skipped through, I just realized, our cafecito and cheese because we've just been on a vibe and just been like talking, which I love. I'm like, this is perfect. But I want to talk about, you know, how can people connect with you and how can people learn more about Nitak, about your story, about how can they follow you, be your friend? How can they buy your products? How can they connect with you? So people can follow uh, me on Instagram at Fernanda Kelly with three Y's. And they can follow Nitak at shop Nitak. That's shop and then N-Y-T-A-Q. And you can also shop our entire line at Nitak.com. N-Y-T-A-Q.com. Mm, not your average. Not your typical average queen. Not your typical average queen. Teacher, my <laughs> You know, I'm also used to people being like neat tag, night tag, New York tag. Like I've heard it all. New right? York tag. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But it's an acronym. So it, it just really stands for not your typical. So we're not typical. We're not average, but we're all queens. Mm. Mm. And I just love how it all, this feels, this whole episode feels full circle because we started with that first question. How do you identify? And you saying woman and just now ending like this. I'm like, girl. There you go. No, that's poetic. That's, that's poetry. Poesia. That's pretty good. <laughs> my guy. Dang. <laughs> so the actual, the the real answer to your question, how do I identify is not as a not typical average queen. I'm not a typical average I person. I love and I love that so much. I love that so much. So I want to do a closing with you. And this is my favorite part because it's all about how can we manifest good for our Latino community, our our women, our, our just our communities in general. But let's get our cafecitos. We're doing brindis cafecito, okay? We do a little differently on here <laughs> with your okay. little mug. But let's do a brindis, and I want to give you the space to manifest good for our community. Um, and so I ask you, what do you want to cheers to, and what do you want to manifest? Wow. I think it's the same thing that I've always wanted. I want women, mujeres from any culture to know that they have the inherent power to manifest what they really, really want. So let, let me break that down. We don't need to be empowered. We don't need to be inspired. We don't, all we need to do is tap into that inherent, that power that's already within us that life force connect to that so that we can be great it's inside of us already nobody needs to give it to us i want every woman to connect to their inherent power in order to manifest their dreams mm, girl snaps snaps <laughs> Salud. Salud. <laughs> yes i want every woman we're all it sounds like, I whatever. No. The minute we believe in ourselves and our greatness, oh, man, we're unstoppable. Mm. And I love that you said we don't need to be empowered. It's all within us. Oh, man, I love that. That's, I love that. I talk to my girls about, like, we're not on a mission to empower. No, 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 no. I want to I connect to the women that I already, they have, we all have it already. Yeah, it's 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 joining forces with women. Yeah, we're all in power. Mm, I love that, and I want to mention one thing. I think just thinking about the women in our families, I think of like there, there was someone that told me once, like, oh, Latina women are are known as like really quiet and you know, así como uh, just uh huh. And I was like, really? Because the women in my family are not like that. <laughs> And they and they taught me to not be that way either. And I don't know if it's just the cultura hondureña. I don't know what it is. But I'm like, the women in my family are so strong. My mom was a single mom of six kids and came to this country as a single mom before. And she was pregnant too, by the way, before she met my dad. And I'm just like, 
that to me isn't a weak woman. You know, that to me is a mujer. And we say in Honduras, samarra de mujer. Like that's, I think for in Mexican culture, it's like chingona. <laughs> but it's um, samarra de mujer. Like she's just like badass. And I think if we not just tap into our own inner, inner power and inner wisdom and all the things that we naturally, like you said, inherit, it's just like, think about what we come from and the women in our families and the women just in our cultures and our ancestry, like women are, we are freaking amazing. You somos, somos we're everything in my opinion. And like you said, I'm like, I think of like the men in my family group with a lot of brothers, like it was like oh. end of the world for them. <laughs> Girl, I say I'm dying. I'm dead. Murió. I'm dead. I'm dead. But on my mom, she sick, and she'd still be helping everyone out. Like, don't worry, I got you. And I'm like, mom, relájate, go rest. Like, I have to be telling her like constantly. But just want to mention that we have that inner power. We have that inner strength. That todo, like, just snaps, snaps to you and your brand and what you embody. Like, girl. Mujeron. <laughs> but how do you say Tamara de mujer? Samarra. Samarra de mujer. Samarra. Girl, like I, have no idea. I have no idea. It just means like, yeah, like straight. I don't know what it exactly translates to, but it means just like mujeron. Like you are like a badass that. woman. A badass woman. I love that. It sounds Samarra so strong. Yeah, right? I'm like, yes. <laughs> but thank you so much for being here. I know we're at the end and I'm like, oh, I wish I can connect with you more and more and more. But just thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your story and just shout out to your team for finding me, for finding the platform to have you here. I'm like, yes, dream come true. <laughs> thank you really for having me, for having me back on your show, for doing what you're doing, for being so beautiful. Um, this is just beginning for you, girl. I mean, you're on your way and you're going to do amazing things because you want them. So, yes, it's a done deal. Thank you so much. And, of course, you can always count on me. Con lo que necesites, I'm here. I told you that when you spoke When you come to San Diego, vamos a estar ahí. Con cafecito, yes. con camisas, con ovarios. para Los Angeles, you have a place to stay. There you go. There you go. I'm going to make a trip to L.A. now. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I fell in love with Fernanda and her story, and I'm pretty sure after we stopped recording, there was a lot of tears shared after. <laughs> but I highly, highly encourage you to go follow Fernanda Kelly on Instagram, follow at shopnitak on Instagram, and also check out their website, nitak, N-Y-T-A-Q.com, and you might just see my face on there. Who knows? Snap a picture of it, share it, tell your friends. De todo. See y'all next week for more cafecito and cheese Check out my new IG page at Hello Latino Podcast. You can also follow my personal page at O Jasmine with four A's. Follow me on Twitter at Odalis Jasmine and find me on LinkedIn. You can also find all these links on my website, odalisjasmine.com. Con mucho amor, también hondureña. And stick around to hear from my sponsor and partner, Chris Gates, co-founder of Rizon. Mi gente, what's up? This is Chris Gates. I had the pleasure of being Odalis' guest in the Cuba Through My Eyes episode of this amazing podcast. Today, I want to invite you to a free month's membership to my startup, Rizon. Founded by two first-gen Latinos, Rizon is like taking a Zumba class for your mental and emotional health. Our mission is to build humans from the inside out, and we help first-gen folks just like you to grow and to heal. So whether you're struggling with life's challenges or just thirsty for a community to help you grow, Rizon is for you. Every week, we create a space for mindful introspection in community. That's what you get when you mix mindfulness, journaling, coaching, and vulnerable conversations. It's a space to be seen authentically, to develop self-awareness and build inner skills alongside a group of inspiring peers. 
Our goal is to help you to tap into your own power consistently, to find perspective, clarity, and direction anytime you need it. Over the past two years, we've designed hundreds of experiences for our clients to do just this. These are entrepreneurs and young professionals who trace their roots to some 20 countries. Folks who, despite being brilliantly talented and looking like they got it all together from the outside, are working through some real life challenges. So join us. We'd like to invite every listener of this podcast to experience a Rise On membership for free for an entire month. That includes our weekly Rise On sessions, live and online, plus on-demand mindfulness content and daily community support. To activate your free month Rise On membership, visit www.riseon.life. That's R-I-S-O-N dot L-I-F-E. Riseon.life. Mi gente, let's rise on. Thank you.